there was a, um, a family that was in our church um, a couple years ago, and they had this like routine they did um, at dinner time, and they called it pits and cherries. And so it's kind of like you would, sh- it's basically the same as highs and lows. Like, what's your pit for today? What's your cherry for today? So it might be like something that, I was like, well, you know, this happened, I didn't really like that, but here's like my cherry, um, and something, you know, that was good that happened. So it's like highs and lows. Um, and we can do that for a day, we can go do that for a week, we can do that for a year. Of like, what were your highs this year? What are your lows this year? Or we might say, uh, what were your valleys this year? Um, what were your mountaintops this year, highs and lows? And I just want to ask a question. Um, there are my notes, I think, are over here. I hope this comes on it. So they must be over here somewhere, I hope. But the question I want to ask for you ah, is, it's more of an agree or disagree. Um, and just to share quickly with the person next to you, if there's three of you kind of grouped up, you can do that. Um, agree or disagree. God intentionally leads us into the lows of life. You know, highs and lows. Look back over your year. Did God intentionally lead you into the lows, into the valleys that you experienced this past year? So agree or disagree. Just share maybe with the person next to you and why you would say that. Or maybe you don't know why. You just kind of feel it. So... Um, yeah, so turn around or get to person three. God intentionally leads us into the lows of life. Agree or disagree? It's an interesting question, isn't it? One of the great not problems, one of the great difficulties people sometimes have with um, believing in God is the problem of evil, or the problem of pain, the problem of suffering, or the problem of the lows and the valleys, uh, the pits in our life. And some people would say that I I can't believe in a God who would allow that to happen. That would allow this to happen to me, or this to happen to my loved one, or you know, X to happen to this group of people or in the world. And so it's a good question for us to ask. Does God intentionally lead us into the lows of life, into the valleys? And we're using this, we installed church bells recently. I don't know if you do that. Um, just the thing we're trying. Uh, but we're, these three weeks before Christmas, um, Christmas is always uh, celebrating Jesus' birth. And of course there's, you know, a a dozen passages in the Bible where Jesus is actually born. 
but you know, it gets kind of old, maybe doing those, the same exact thing every year. And so another way we can talk about Jesus' birth is to look at what are the themes in Scripture, kind of the, um, the patterns or the, um, the figures that are leading up to Jesus. And there's these threads that go throughout the whole Bible. They trace uh, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation chapter 22. And you can follow some of these threads and see where it's leading up to Jesus. It's leading up, leading up, leading up, and then there's Jesus. And Jesus brings that part. Uh, he fulfills those things. And then it'll be completely established on earth in the end of Revelation. So one of these threads you can follow is the thread of the shepherd. Um, of God talking about uh, shepherds as a good image for what he's like with his people and us and sheep being a good image for what um, we're like in our relationship with God. That's one of the themes you can trace. And God uses this relationship between a shepherd and his sheep or her sheep um, to reveal this is what my relationship with you is like. Um, This is what you're like in this relationship and this is what I'm like in this relationship. And this psalm, Psalm 23, it's on page 458 if you're using the black Bibles we have here. So Psalm 23 page 458. Um, We're going through it, and it's written by a man named David. Um, He's known famously for being basically the best king that Israel had. Um, He was technically the first one. He wasn't there, George Washington, but the first one was, uh, you know, didn't work out because it was the type of king that people wanted to choose. But uh, then David is like, this is the type of king I want. That's what God says. This is a man after my own heart. And before David was king of Israel in about 1000 B.C., um, he was a shepherd. Uh, he's out in the sh- tending his father's sheep, out caring for the flock. And so he was a shepherd before he was a king. And so he knows what sheep are like. And he knows what a good shepherd is like, what a good shepherd does. And he writes in this psalm, not from the perspective of a shepherd, but from the perspective of a sheep. So check it out. Uh, I, lo- I had to give up my, my sheep to, for the kids' room. So these cotton balls are the sheep. So David, you know, imagine it's like, here's this little flock. We're kind of looking at a bird's eye view. And then you could zoom in and get in the head of the shepherd. Like, what's the shepherd thinking? What's he doing? But what David does is he takes us into the sheep. He's, we're in the mindset of a sheep. And what would it be like to be this sheep with all these other sheep with us and to have the shepherd? What would your life be like? What's your experience of life if you are uh, a sheep, part of God's flock? And sheep are very needy. And so a good shepherd must be very attentive to the needs of the sheep. The health and the happiness of the sheep depend on who their shepherd is. They could be very unhappy and very unhealthy, or they could be very healthy and very happy, depending on who is managing them, who is taking care of them. And last week we looked at verses 1 through 3, and really the first verse kind of lays it out. It says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So this is a sheep saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, this little sheep saying, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm not going to be missing out on any of the things that I need that are essential to my life, my health, my happiness. And then the rest of the verses, verses 1 through 3, talk about basically the job description of a good shepherd. Here's what a good shepherd does. And we saw that a good shepherd uh, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this week we're getting to uh, verse And really this week gets a little more real, maybe takes us into what is David experiencing as he writes this. Because he writes, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's something that is perhaps happening right now. And then even he jumps down to in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That he's having this experience where he's 
has danger. He could feel uh, like he's at threat. There's a like lack of uh, safety in that situation. And so he moves from uh, talking about the shepherd uh, in verses 1 through 3 to talking to the shepherd. He says in verse 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. And then verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. So he goes from uh, kind of describing the shepherd to other sheep to now I'm talking to the shepherd and saying, you are with me and bringing and talking, basically moving from theology, talking about God, to prayer, talking to God. And I just want you to take a moment. We want to make this personal. It was personal for David. And so the question for you is, are you in a valley right now? Are you in a low spot? Or perhaps you recently were, or you can just remember one from your past where it was like, that was a really low point in my, my life. That was a, a dark time in my life. That was a valley. Uh, it was scary. I mean, think about a valley. It's like you're in, in it, and these, these walls are coming up around you. It's almost like you're being you know, swallowed up and engulfed. It's like, I was in there, and I felt like I was in this hole. I felt like I was in this low spot, this valley, and I, would, didn't, I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And maybe that's where you're at right now, or maybe in the past, or maybe you're anticipating one coming up. Let's first talk about this term he uses, the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I was going through this psalm, if it's the valley of the shadow of death, why would the shepherd lead the sheep through that? Because this is it's a sheep, he's talking to his shepherd, uh, he's in the valley, and then he's saying, you are with me. So the shepherd's with him in the valley, Why? and the shepherd leads the, the flock, so why would the shepherd take his sheep into a valley. Well, a couple, why wouldn't you just avoid it? Like, ugh, valley of the shadow of death, not going there, you know, do not enter, let's go a different way. Um, but there's three reasons, at least three. One is that the valley is the best route to the top. Uh, valleys are it's like the easiest and gentlest grade uh, to get up the, the mountain where you're not going, you know, this just straight up. It's like, okay, this valley has been carved in, you can follow it up to the top. So the valley isn't the destination, but you're going through it uh, to higher ground, trying to go up this mountain or down it. It's also well watered because a valley is created by a stream or a river or by, you know, flood seasons when water would wash through it. And so there's a, a water source there uh, that isn't going to be on, up, you know, outside of the valley. So you're going through, you have a water source, it's the easiest and gentlest way up to the top. And also because there's water, there's food, there's grass, there's meadows. It's along the water route, so there's stuff growing there. So the sheep, as they're moving through it, uh, can eat. And we saw in verse 2 that he leads, uh, makes me lie down in green pastures, probably more talking about a field situation, but he leads me beside still waters, so the shepherd is taking the sheep where there's water and where there's food. But the problem with the valleys, why it's the valley of the shadow of death, is that there's also dangers in it. Um, there's threats to uh, a sheep's life that can scare it and harm it. And so there could be sudden storms and flash floods, and that's why uh, Katie and I went for a hike. Uh, we did a vacation in Zion National Park, and there's a you had to make sure in one of the, um, it's called the Narrows, there's just this very narrow uh, valley, and if there's going to be a storm, you, just, you can't go in it, and if one comes, you have to get off to the sides quickly because it's going to flood through, and it's just going to sweep you through, bringing all this debris because all that storm water is going to, come and run into that valley and you, you could die like logs and rocks or whatever else being pushed. So sudden storms and flash floods could flood a valley and, and take all the sheep away. Uh, secondly, predators can hide there. 
Uh, it's you know if you're in a field, it's kind of like you can see far away, see the predators. Uh, but in the valley, there's rocks and corners and whatever else there is. And it's also uh, a good place for predators to be because their prey has their food source there. Well, I know my prey need water and this grass, so it's a good spot for a predator to hunt. Uh, and so the path to higher ground that has water and food available is also the path with danger. There are threats. And if we just look back at David's life, who's writing this psalm, David had a lot of valleys. I'm just going to overview some of them. He was hunted as an outlaw by the king. Uh, so he was homeless for a while. I, can't, I didn't look up how long, but he's homeless, uh, being hunted by the king who wants him dead because he's jealous of him. So he's wandering on as an outlaw. Uh, his best friend was killed in battle. Uh, perhaps you've experienced that. A friend who was in the, the army, in the military in some way, and then they lost their life. Uh, his baby died. Um, it was a consequence of his sin, but his he had a, a, a small baby that died. Uh, his One of his sons rapes one of his daughters. And then a different son killed that son that raped the daughter. And so he has rape and murder among his, his kids. Um, and then later on, the, the son that murdered the rapist's son, he's murdered by, one of Dave, by, by David's general. Um, a plague sweeps through his country. Uh, so David knows that a pandemic is like sweeping through Israel, but people getting sick. Uh, he was God described him as a man of blood because he was at war a lot, trying to establish the borders of the land of Israel. And he had political opponents uh, plotting his downfall. Read through the Psalms. I mean, like I can't remember what percentage of the Psalms are um, written by David, but you see a lot of them, him saying, my enemies surround me. I'm scared. God, I have opponents. And he is always having people who are against him and are his enemies. And in verse 5, he says, uh, gives us a little detail. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so this situation is probably David's feeling like, I'm in this valley with these threats and these enemies and these predators around me. And now I need to sit here and say, what's true of my shepherd? And I'm also going to look to my shepherd while I'm in this valley. And so can you relate to any of that? Uh, having brokenness in your family, um, having someone you love die, being perhaps feeling very vulnerable, like you might be homeless or people are after you, your job's after you, or your boss is after you, you know, out to get you or something like that, um, feeling like people are um, against you. And we perhaps have other valleys besides these, but David really knew <coughs> what it meant to be in a valley, to be in a low spot. But ver- he continues on, he says, even, or the, the whole phrase is, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He has lots of reasons to be afraid. Uh, but he says, uh, start at verse 4, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though there's evil in this valley, even though there's bad, even though there's threats, even though there's danger, even though there's uh, potential pain, predators, enemies, I'm not afraid of it. Even though there's many reasons to be afraid, I am not afraid, he says. And the question is, why? Why isn't he scared of what's scary? There's scary stuff. Why isn't he scared of it, though? He says, for uh, or because you are with me. Now, you, you know, he's talking to God. There's his little sheep, you know, he's shaking in his little hooves. Don't wear boots. Not shaking his boots. Shaking his little hooves, saying, uh, there's a lot of stuff here to be scared of. There's a lot of scary stuff. And that he looks, I'm not scared, though. Because you are with me, looking at uh, his shepherd. And he's talking to the shepherd. 
God is right there with him. And that changes everything for him. It makes all the difference. There's a lot to be scared of, but I'm not scared of it because you are with me. I want to just read from this uh, one of the books I've been using as in this series. And he writes about Psalms 23, and he, t- he says this, Sheep have a special problem. They have no defenses. Cats have teeth, claws, and speed. Dogs have their teeth and their speed. Horses can kick, bite, and run. Bears can claw, bite, and crush. Deer can run. But the sheep have no bite or claws and cannot outrun any serious predator. They can butt other sheep, but that ability will not protect them from a wolf or a bear. The sheep's only security is the shepherd. Indeed, so the shepherd is what he needs. The sheep saying, you are with me, that's the only defense that this sheep has. They're needy, they're vulnerable, they're weak. David, the king of Israel, who killed the giant Goliath, is this puts himself in the, in, in the perspective of, I am a needy, vulnerable sheep, I can't do anything, but you are with me, relying on God. He doesn't have a problem seeing himself this way, even though he's the most powerful person in Israel. Uh, he's the king. He doesn't have a problem seeing himself, I'm a needy shepherd, I can't take care of my, or a needy sheep, I can't take care of myself. And so there's these threats that are beyond him, but he knows his shepherd can handle it. And that leads us to what he says next. He says, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And these are two tools of the shepherd. Like there's um, the, the rod, which is maybe like a two and a half foot kind of like club, um, often with a like metal or iron put into it so it's heavier and can deal a, a, bigger, a bigger blow. And you could, they could swing it, but it kind of seems like from what I'm reading, often they would throw it. The shepherds would practice and they would get really good at like throwing it um, either at a predator or at, at something else and just being able to nail things. Um, and it has two purposes. One is defense against ex- external danger. Um, so it's protection, it's defense. Um, and one of those could be wild animals. Um, David talks about using, his, using it in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. He says this, uh, David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him, so struck him with the rod, and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the bear... Paul the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so he's saying, look Saul, Saul's like, you need to get some, uh, you need to wear some, how are you going to come up against this giant? And he's like, well, I've taken on bears and lions with my rod, I killed them, and also the Lord delivered me. So he's like having faith in that situation. And then, so wild animals is one protection, 1 Peter 5, 8, that we saw a couple months ago says, uh, the devil, your adversary, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, to a predator trying to separate, roaring so that a sheep will get scared and run away from the flock uh, so that it can be uh, taken without the shepherd present. And so, oh, I forgot. So this is what, this is the Laposaurus. So get excited about that from Jurassic Park, guys. Um, So this is the predator. We got to add him in there. So it's like, even though there's this danger, the Laposaurus hanging out back here, this is the spitter one, by the way, that, has the little fan that comes out. You all know what I'm talking about now. I would imitate the sound. I do it at home, but I, it might scare you. So uh, anyway, that's uh, he's got this predator, but he's not afraid, even though there's a huge 
predator. I don't know if sheep and Dilophosaurus existed together. In Jurassic Park they did, though, because they feed a sheep to the... Never mind. Um, <laughs> let's just move on. I'm uh, but also there's wild animals, and there's thieves uh, as well, and uh, amidst the wild animals. And so uh, John chapter 10, verses 10 through 13, where uh, Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, it says, uh, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And so the hired hand uh, maybe would say, like, I'm not going to mess with the wolf, I'm not going to mess with the thieves, but Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, I don't run, I care for the sheep, uh, nothing's going to take them. And actually, uh, so asking, okay, why isn't he afraid? Uh, because he is a shepherd who will fiercely protect and defend his sheep. He has this rod. When there's danger, his shepherd is not running. And let me just read the, a little later in John chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about him being the good shepherd. Uh, it says this, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus does not lose sheep. No one snatches them out of his hand. So it seems like defense is primary, using this the rod, the club, for defense is primary, but it also, could also be used for discipline because sometimes sheep, there's external danger, but sometimes sheep are a danger to themselves. And so if they're misbehaving, stubborn, wandering, going towards some poisonous plants to eat, wandering off into a place that's dangerous, the shepherd could throw it, uh, maybe, probably not necessarily to hit them, but to throw it near them to scare them and they come running back to the flock. And so it can be used for discipline in this way. Um, and we see Hebrews chapter 12, God talking about God disciplines us for our good to keep us from the things that would harm us and to get us back onto right paths. Uh, and we can tend to be our own worst enemies. So why doesn't he fear? Because he knows that even if he gets off track, his shepherd's going to bring him back. He's going to watch out for him. And so that's the rod used for defense and discipline. The staff is a five-foot-long, this is the one we're most you know, used to, I don't even have to explain this, five-foot-long with a little you know, curly thing, uh, a hook at the end, and it could be leaned on as a walking stick, but also pre- used to direct the sheep. So it's used for direction, guide sheep on a path, or through a gate, or maybe along uh, like a difficult spot, or, and it can kind of extend out so the shepherd can be here, and you know can touch these sheep around them, uh, but could also reach the sheep out there by extending it to kind of like you know move them move them in, move them to where they need to be. Um, and this, so why? Secondly, or thirdly, why isn't he fear? Because the shepherd is guiding him. He's there for defense. He's there for discipline. He's there for direction. The shepherd is taking me. He's directing me. The staff could also be used for deliverance. See how exciting that was? Defense, discipline, direction, deliverance. I know that's weird, but. That's what I do. Uh, deliverance would be rescuing sheep uh, with the crook. If it falls into maybe a hole or maybe a stream, the little hook on the end could be like looped around the sheep's legs and then kind of pulled out of that. And so sometimes a sheep might like get somewhere and kind of fall into it, maybe going where it shouldn't go. But also a lamb maybe doesn't know what it's doing. It's not you know as strong as another sheep. It might fall down and could be rescued out of a situation that it, it couldn't get out of otherwise. And so there's maybe two situations where 
uh, a sheep would get, in, get into a place where they need to be rescued like that, it would be for their own folly, their own foolishness, that they were doing something they shouldn't do, or their own ignorance or weakness. A little lamb doesn't know what's, what's happening. And so, fourthly, why doesn't he fear? Because no matter how he gets into trouble, his shepherd is there to get him out, uh, to rescue him, to deliver him. So these two tools, the rod and the staff, represent all that the shepherd is to the sheep, protector, teacher, guide, rescuer, and that's comforting to David as he uh, sees his shepherd and says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're going to use these as tools for my good, for my benefit, to protect me, even protect me from myself, and to get me out of situations where I'm in trouble. And so as we look at this passage, Psalm 23, just verse 4, being in that valley, uh, Jesus, John chapter 10, says, I am the good shepherd. And so everything that a good shepherd is, Jesus says, I'm fulfilling it. I'm calling people to be my sheep. And my sheep hear my voice and they follow my lead and no one's going to take them from me. And so his invitation, really, his the invitation to follow me is make me your shepherd because uh, shepherds don't imagine them being behind the sheep, kind of pushing them and driving them and whipping them or whatever. But a sheep is in front of the sheep leading them. And so Jesus says, follow me, make me your shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And if I was to sum up this verse, um, it, would be, it would be with this sentence. Jesus gives us, quotes, even though comfort in our valleys. Jesus gives us even though comfort in our valleys. Because he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's comforted. So Jesus gives us even though comfort in our valleys. He doesn't take away the valley but he changes how we experience them. He takes the fear away. And sheep are easily frightened. That's what he says. I could be afraid of this evil. And sheep, we talked about last week, how a rabbit running out of a bush could send a whole flock running because they just get startled. And we, if we're honest, we're easily frightened. We get easily scared. Maybe you think you aren't scared, uh, but often there can be secondary emotions uh, to the emotion of fear. And one of those is anger is that when we're f- afraid, we go either go into fight or flight. And fight is the anger <laughs> response of fear. It's like, I'm afraid, and so now I'm going to use anger to fight. And flight is maybe when we're more, what we're more used to when we're thinking about fear. is like, I just I want to avoid it. I want to hide. I want to be part of that. So Jesus doesn't take away the valleys. He takes away our fear. And so the question is, how can we let Jesus, our good shepherd, comfort us in our valleys? And we have, and I want to go over three of valleys, our past valleys, our future valleys, and our present valleys. In our past valleys, when we look back at low points in our life and we say, where were you, God? Where were you? Why did that happen to me? And we might say, if only you had been there, if only you had been with me, if only you had been caring for me, looking out for me, this would not have happened. And we might have anger, we might have doubt. God wasn't for me then. Uh, how can I expect him to be with me now? And the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, Genesis chapters uh, 37 through 50. Joseph has this horrible uh, story to what his life happens. His brothers um, put him in a pit. They talk about killing him, and they decide, well, let's not kill him. Let's actually uh, sell him to human traffickers. And he goes down to Egypt, and he starts working there as a slave, and then he gets promoted. But then the guy he's working for, his uh, wife, accuses him of uh, sexual impropriety, and so then he gets thrown in prison, and he's prisoned for several years, and then eventually he gets brought out and gets to become a, a leader in the nation of Egypt, 
but he's separated from his family because his family sold him, because uh, they were jealous of him, they sold him to other people to be trafficked. And so he has this really difficult life story. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, um, his brothers are standing before him, his dad has died, and they've come, and they've found out Joseph is alive in Egypt, we thought he was dead, and they're afraid of what he's going to do now that their father's dead. Like, well, you know, now dad's not holding him off from doing something to us, so what's Joseph going to do now? Uh, we're in his hands, and he says, I'm not going to do anything, uh, because I've seen what God has done through this. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. There's two purposes at play. There was their purpose, which was evil. There was God's purpose, which was good. And so Joseph, I want to just read um, a quote from this book. This is about a shepherd, but it's about our relationship with God. And it says this about Joseph. Joseph could have identified himself only and always as a victim of his brother's hate, but he chose to reframe his story. And the phrase, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, may be one of the most powerful reframes in the story of someone's, anyone's life. He saw the events of his life through God's lens, and he believed that God had used betrayal, abandonment, false accusation, delay, and harsh conditions in prison to strengthen him and gave him an opportunity to serve God even more. Joseph realized that God's purpose for his life was much bigger than comfort and applause. God never promises those things, but he promises to use every event in our lives to produce good and to glorify God himself. And so Joseph had this even-though faith. Even though there was evil, two things comforted him. Jesus is, we're going to say Jesus, even though he didn't know of Jesus. But even though there was evil, Jesus' presence and purpose can comfort us. That in any situation, uh, we can see Jesus is with me, and he has a purpose he's going to bring out of this. Like He didn't intend for this evil thing, but he's going to bring good out of that. Romans 8.28 says, God uh, works together all things for the good of those who love them, to conform them to the image of of Jesus. So anything that happens to you, God can use for good. And often we said, if, if God really was good and powerful, this wouldn't have happened to me. But the truth is that God is powerful enough to use even the bad for good in our lives, that he will use it. And so Joseph could have said, where were you, God? But he looks back and he says, God intended something. So even though, if you look back at your past valleys, you can say, even though there was evil there, Jesus' presence and purpose can comfort you. And we're going to skip to future valleys. Future valleys. In past valleys, we say, where were you? And in future valleys, we say, will you be there? Will you be there for me? I'm seeing this thing. And often we imagine our future without God in it because we have things we get stressed and anxious and worried about. We see them coming and we start worrying. And we are looking at that scene with God absent from it. And we have our what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? And we don't, and what would change if we asked the question, well, what if God is in the picture? Whatever I'm afraid of, whatever I'm stressed about, what if God is in that picture? What if God is in that scene with me, beside me, like this? Like, I'm going to face stuff, you know, dinosaurs or whatever, and, but I'm, well, what's going to change about this scene if it's like, you know, very vulnerable, very scary, I'm going to die. Oh, but what happens if the shepherd is there? No one snatches me out of the shepherd's hand. His rod and his staff that are there to protect me and lead me, are comforting me. And so for this, it's even though there may be evil in the future, Jesus' presence and purpose can comfort us that he's going to be with me and he's working for my good, all things for my good. It's an even though comfort in our valleys. Thirdly, our present valleys. 
Maybe you're anyone right now and you're just asking, where are you, God? Why are you with me? What, why is this happening to me? Why am I in this valley? And the shepherd has a purpose for taking his sheep through the valley. And while in it, we can say to him, you're with me. I'm not alone. You're taking me somewhere I couldn't get to except through this valley. This is necessary for where you want me to be. You always lead me on right paths. And this is one of them. And so we can say, even though there is evil, Jesus' presence and purpose can comfort us. You are with me. And this is, I'm not outside of your plan. You are with me in this. And the truth is, when all is safe and comfortable, we don't really feel like we need the shepherd's comfort. If it's comfortable, if we're not uncomfortable, we don't need comfort, right? And we can have the delusion uh, or the illusion that I've got this. Comfortable and safe, I've got this. I've got this life thing figured out. I've got, you know, whatever it is, I've got this. But in the valley, we want the shepherd's leadership. We want his authority. We want him to direct us. When everything's going well, we might think, you know, I don't really need direction. I don't really need comfort. I don't really need protection because things are going well. But it's in the uncomfortable, in the danger, in the threat that we say, I really, I want the shepherd's leadership. It makes us aware, I don't got this. I know that's bad English, but I've got this is where we're at when we're comfortable. But when things are dangerous, we're in the valley, we say, I, I don't got this. Like, I need someone to help me. And we become aware of our need for the shepherd and we trust and we depend and we rely on him and we surrender to him. And we might huddle close for comfort. Like if the, if the sheep are afraid, you know, they're going to kind of be, like kind of, let's all kind of nuzzle in both to each other. Uh, you know, as a church, it's like when we're feeling like we need God, we won't be living lives where we're like, I don't, I don't need the rest of the flock. I don't need the shepherd. But when we're like, we need him, we're all together around the shepherd, which is well um, displayed. I don't think I have it up here. In our logo, that it's like at the center, what is it? There's a, there's a crown. And that's Jesus, and those dots around it, that's us. All of us huddled around the shepherd, uh, trusting in him, uh, depending on him. And we huddle close. We're comforted by his defense of us, his discipline over us, his direction for us, and his deliverance. Even though there's danger, we feel safe because the shepherd is with us. So just in closing, the Bible, Jesus invites us to live in, even though life, uh, that our reactions and our attitude and our feelings are out of sync with what's happening to us and what's happening around us. I'm just, I find it uh, just amazing as I go through the Bible and just see people like, uh, we just got beat up for being Christians, and they leave the beat-up session saying, rejoicing, that they're counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' name. It's like, that reaction is totally out of sync with what just happened to you. This was injustice, you're in physical pain, they're, you know, they were rejecting Jesus. They don't like the message you're preaching. And yet you're leaving that session rejoicing? I'm counted worthy? It's like this out of sync. And even all the passages in the Bible that say we rejoice in our suffering because we know of what is happening. That we count it all joy, James 1, uh, when we have trials knowing of what God's doing with them. And so our reactions are out of, completely out of sync with what's happening to us. And we're not afraid, even though there's good reason to be. We're not afraid because we've been comforted. We're not angry and bitter about the past, even though we have good reason to be. We're not stressed and anxious about the future, even though we have good reason to be. Because our good shepherd comforts us with his presence and his purpose, and that we, have, we feel safe, even though it's not safe, because we have a shepherd who is providing that safety for us.